folks, it's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time for Broker Talk. We are thrilled to have uh, uh, the first year, uh, the first show of our year. We're going to talk a little bit about estate planning, but before we get to that, Broker Talk is a short and deep dive into everything related to real estate, and there are so many different aspects of it. Our goal is to Ed, leave can you, you hear after these. No, not really, no. Our goal is to leave you with the information that you need uh, at the end of the show. Here, let me look here. Yeah, everything is fine. Uh, turn up yeah, turn you up hear? your things. We're, we're all good. I hear you fine. I don't hear Larry. I mean, I hear him a little bit. The, as I said, Jim, the, everything is fine from the tech part. The show is good. Stay with us. Okay? Okay. So I turned you I turned you all the way up. Oh, and I feel it deep in my soul. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, today we're talking about estate planning. Uh, we have Ed Martin uh, with us from Taylor Ganson and Perrin. Um, he is an attorney. And I asked him this morning when we were talking about the show, I said, um, should you if you have a little bit of money, should you get a will or should you do estate planning? And uh, Ed explained to me that uh, estate planning includes the will, but it includes several other documents that are absolutely essential. The power of attorney, your health care proxy, the living will, the durable power of attorney, the HIPAA, which is your health care proxy. The what trust comes after living will? Uh after the living will comes dual nope, I, the durable power will. of attorney, then the health care proxy, and a trust if you're going to create a trust. And then finally, Larry, the actual will. I have you turned all the way up to maximum, and I hear you just a little bit. Ed can't hear you at all. Um. All right, you know folks, ASL, at, maybe, uh, all right, folks, maybe we what we're going to do here right now we is we're going to uh, try and fix uh, uh, what... Now you're coming in a little bit better. We're going to try and fix... Now you're coming in much better. <laughs> if you would come now in... You're coming in... Yeah, Perfect. yeah. Hey, Jim, let me tell you one thing. If you come in at 15 minutes before and we can set the tech, <laughs> that's why we ask you to come in 15 minutes before. And then instead of the diva time, right at the minute the show starts. Should we just yell at each other rather than talk about, do you have your estate plan ready? Oh. And now I, I don't hear him. He's on mute. Anyway, Ed, uh, uh, you can hear me now, right? Yes, yes, I can. So um, let's let's talk about the the various aspects of of these things. Power of attorney. Why would you need a power of attorney? And who okay, do you so give it to? Okay, so a power of attorney basically that allows someone to stand in your shoes, handle your finances. Um, they could they could sign your tax return for you. Um, the the person who has a power of attorney for you is a very important person and it's somebody you really need to trust implicitly yeah. Um, yeah. because they can do a lot they can go to your bank account and uh you know write a check for you if you need to um so 
as people get older, a lot of times it's 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 better that they have that in place because if something happens to to someone and there's an account that's in their name alone, if they don't have a power of attorney, that asset those assets are basically frozen, and then someone would have to go to court to become a, a guardian or a conservator in order to to gain access to those funds. So the healthcare proxy is a similar thing, but it's for the health. They're, they're- yeah, so the, right. So the healthcare proxy, basically, you're naming someone to make healthcare decisions for you if you couldn't make them for yourself. Um, and again, a lot of times, a sp- um, husband and wife or, or spouse and just spouses will name each other first, and then either it could be a child or a trusted friend or brother or sister. Uh, I've seen parents. Um, so it's just someone who who you trust is gonna who's gonna make a healthcare decision for you if you can't make it. Exactly. Um, I'm going to skip over the will and the living will and hold them for the end because it's important and there's some distinctions. But the uh, durable power of attorney, how is that different than the power of attorney? Durable just means that it's valid whether um, you're incapacitated or not. So as as soon as you sign it, basically, and the the agent signs it, it becomes it's in effect. And. that that's just that's what we use. We don't even we don't have documents that just say power of attorney. They're all durable power of attorneys for us. Okay, and the healthcare proxy is kind of uh, like the HIPAA. Am I correct in in thinking that? Well, the the HIPAA do, HIPAA document is it's a it's a separate document, and basically what that does that has you know your name, your uh, date of birth, it has some identifying information for you. And then it, it just lists the people that you named in your healthcare proxy. And what that document does, that tells the hospitals, the doctors, all the medical professionals that they need to share the medical information with these, these people who are, in fact, your healthcare agents. Because if they're going to make the decisions for you, they should have everything that they need to look at to make the right decision. So the the trust, many people, uh, especially people of means, will buy their home in a trust, not in the, their own name. It, I know that trust means more than just um, hiding your assets. It's protecting your assets as well, right? Right. There's, there's a lot of different types of trusts. Um, what you're talking about is typically if someone wants to purchase their home in the name of the trust, what that does, that keeps it out of probate. So when they pass away, it doesn't it doesn't have to go through the probate process because it's already in the trust, and then it can be distributed to the beneficiaries uh, more smoothly at that point. Which which brings us to both living will and then the the other will. Uh, you're either uh, uh, intestate or not, uh, and that means your will. Explain those those terms a little bit. Um, let's back up to the living will first. The living will, um, basically, what that does that that basically says if you're if you're being kept alive by artificial means, and if you have maybe some brain injury or you've had you've been in an accident, um, and you're not you're not you're 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 pretty well gone, or if you have an incurable disease, that document basically you can sign something that says I want procedures withheld. That's what used to be called pulling the plug. Now, that document's not legally binding in Massachusetts right now. So people say, okay, well, why do you still prepare it? Well, the reason we prepare it is ideally you, 
when you name a healthcare agent, you should have that conversation with them. It says basically, if I'm in this one of these conditions, um, you know, pull the plug or don't don't leave me, don't keep me hooked up. Um, so what? And when you name someone, typically you should have that conversation. If you didn't have that conversation, or maybe the second person, you know, you, you have it with your spouse, but you don't have it with your child or your brother. And if they're put in that situation, they're sitting there saying, geez, I don't know what Larry wanted. You know, I don't know if I should pull the plug. I don't know if I should keep them hooked up. Um, so what they can do is they can go back and look, you know, back January 14th of 2021, when Larry supposedly had all his marbles, um, he selected um, that he would want the plug pulled. And so when that person makes that decision, um, if they were leaning towards pulling the plug, it gives them a little comfort. You know, it takes them, it, 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 it you know, gives them an out, you know, so they're not, so they don't feel so guilty. You know, they say, okay, this is really what he wanted. Um, and I'm just really following his wishes. Now, so that's the living will. Now, the other document that you mentioned, it's, it's called the last will or last will and testament. That's the document that most people think about with estate planning. So with that document, basically you're telling the world where you want your assets to go when you pass away. And you also tell everybody, who you want to be, who you want to be in charge of your estate and handle everything. Now, the will covers what is in your name alone when you pass away. So if you think about it, if you have a bank account with your with your spouse or with a, a friend and it's a joint account, when you pass away, that asset automatically passes to the surviving owner. It doesn't go under your will because it's not in your name alone. Additionally, life insurance where you have a designated beneficiary you pass away if, if you have a beneficiary that asset automatically goes to that beneficiary it doesn't go under your, what your will says your will can say i'm leaving everything to larry and if i have a life insurance policy and, and i make it payable to jim sorry larry you're not getting it it's all going to jim so jim, jim will... you're, you're really savvy with your money and all of this do you have all of this set up because I don't. That's why I'm talking to to Ed. Oop, we don't hear you. Oh, mute. Okay. Uh, I, I cannot um, confirm or deny. <laughs> I, I I didn't. Uh, um, Ed, in fact, is um, I belong to a BNI, Business Networking International, and Ed is one of the members of that BNI. And he, uh, at one of the meetings, explained, "What is your tagline?" I I, I love this tagline. Uh, plan now or pay later. Exactly, exactly. I and I think that's that um, resonates with a lot of people. And my my concern was, well, how much does this cost? Because it's not. You know, it's not a six pack of beer. It's not a steak. So uh, I need to protect my money. Um, and legal zoom. Yeah, legal legal zoom. Yeah, go ahead to legal zoom. I, I I like people to go to legal zoom because they end up back with us anyway because they don't have anybody to explain things to them. Something happens, you pick up the phone and you call me, and I explain the documents. I explain how they work. Legal zoom is the for sale by owner of estate planning you know it's the do-it-yourself uh i don't need no stinking lawyer and um 
so you really always need a professional, somebody who's been there, somebody who has done it over and over again, just like in real estate. I mean, you can go and buy and sell real estate without a, a real estate person, but you're not going to negotiate in the same way. You're not going to understand where you can, uh, where you have leverage, where you don't have leverage. You get into the final negotiations, you're, you're not going to know what they're thinking based on, on experience. You're going to be guessing at that point. Um, it makes sense to work with a professional. And that doesn't mean so, go to. So, so how many documents are we talking here? One, two, three, four, five, six. So the, the, the basic right. ones he went over, it's a healthcare, it's power of attorney, durable power of attorney, healthcare proxy, living will, HIPAA document, and the will. So you, you, the one you left out was the trust. The trust and the trust, not, not everybody needs a trust. Um, you know, I've had clients that come in and they say, oh, I need a trust. I need a trust, you know, and I, I sent out a checklist when we get started or to get started, the client fills it out, sends it back. And then if they, based on the checklist, I, I give them a recommendation as of the type of plan that they should have. Um, I had one, they said they wanted a trust. They really wanted a trust. And I'm like, well, you don't really need a trust. And they're like, well, my neighbor has a trust and I'm much more successful than he is. So I should have a trust too. And I said, well, your neighbor probably play, paid, you know, two or three grand for a trust. And I don't know if they need it or not, but I know you don't need it. So if you want to pay all that, that's fine. I'm happy to do it for you. But um, if you don't need it, why should you pay for it? Sure, sure. Um these are all protections, not just for you, but for your family and, and ongoing. That's why it's called a state. Right. So, so when I mentioned before about the different different plans or different levels, there's basically I, I break it into three different levels um, for estate planning. I say small, medium and large. You know, the small plan is just the basic documents that I mentioned to you, you know, power of attorney, healthcare proxy, living will, HIPAA document and the will. Um, and for a, a young a young couple, you know, husband and wife, everything going to each other, that's that's pretty simple. That's that's basically all they really need. Um, now, if they have children, one of the one of the biggest um, things that prompts people to actually get their estate plans done is when they have children, because if something happens to the parents, who's going to be the guardian? Who's going to take care of my kids? You know, that's a, that's the, the biggest thing that prompts young couples. Um, and in your will, you will name, you can name someone who's going to take care of your children if something happened to you. And that, that's a very powerful thing. Um, now, if people have young children and they have some assets, you know, quite a few assets, they may want to have a trust. And the reason so those assets can be held for the benefit of the children until they reach certain ages. So. You know, if you if you didn't have if you didn't have a trust, basically, if you have a will, and you both pa both parents passed away, the children would inherit at age eighteen. Now, so, so what are the tax tax implications there? Okay, so for, with with that type of trust, there's no tax benefits to it. And, and let me just finish how that how that trust works. And the reason um, I don't know how many eighteen year olds you know, but I don't really think they should be given, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars um, at age 18. So what happens is we set up a trust, like it's called a joint trust, husband and wife, everything's to each other. And then when they both pass, 
it's held for the kid's benefit until they reach certain ages, like say 25, 30, 35, when they get incremental um, amounts of the principal. Um, so that's the medium plan. Now, you were asking about, tr about the tax provisions. So the next level up, the highest level, would be revocable trust for both husband and wife. And in that or, and in that situation, what you're doing is you're putting in estate tax savings provisions. So each state, not each state, uh, most states have an estate tax. Um, in Massachusetts, it's a million dollars. So if you die and your estate is over a million dollars, um, you, you have to file an estate tax return. Now, what these trusts do, they choose its exemption, basically. They're, you're able to shelter up to a million dollars of assets that won't be included in your spouse's estate when they die. So basically you're, you're saving on estate taxes by using that larger plan. So that sort of doubles the amount that you're not paying taxes on? So basically what, ha what happens is when the first one, when the first one passes, you wanna shelter up to a million dollars in assets that's not gonna be included in the surviving spouse's estate. If you didn't have that type of trust, you simply, you're, and one person dies, you're just stacking all the assets on top of that, the second spouse's estate when they die. So what you're doing, you, when you set up the two trusts, you're, you're, you're setting aside basically a million dollars worth of assets. This is just for Massachusetts. Um, that's not gonna be included in the survivor's estate. I, I want to get further into like what happens when you divorce and you have other children um, right after our commercial break. So let's take that away. We'll be back in a moment. If you are searching for a new home, you want to be working with a realtor with years of experience, a professional with intimate knowledge of the communities that you are considering moving to, and someone who really wants to represent you as a buyer in what is probably the largest investment you will ever make in your lifetime. The Realtors at Castles Unlimited want to be your choice when you are ready to make your next move. Please visit us at castlesunlimited.com or call us anytime at 800 967 And we're back. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you, so you've you figured this out with your wife and your children. Uh-oh, you have a divorce. Now, what do you have to have to change? Because I would think that you would want um, the many of your assets, either partner would rather them, instead of the ex getting all the assets, they would probably want to keep them to their children or somewhere else. How do you deal with those kinds of things? So um, when you have, you may have a second marriage too, which throws in some more, some more issues. Um, but basically when the divorce is final, um, you should change your retire your retirement account, the beneficiary of that. You should change your life insurance beneficiaries. Um, anything that you have in joint name with that, your, for your initial spouse, they should all be changed. Um, because if not, what happens you pass, it all goes to that that person who's a joint owner. And you'll change your, absolutely, you would change your will as well because what you had maybe going to your spouse, now you just want, to, want it to go to your children. Right. And in real estate, you have, you know, uh, tenants, uh, you know, in common and tenants uh, by the entirety. Uh, those are different terms. And they they signify different uh, ownership levels. Right. So so. Um, How do you? Tenants by the. In I think we lost Jim. 
Yeah. Um, tenants by yeah. the tenants by the entirety basically it means the property is owned jointly, and the people are married. Um, another so there's I, I look at it as three different levels. There's tenants by the entirety. Then there's joint tenants, which is just you know two people who own property jointly. Um, so if one of them pat one of them dies, that property automatically goes to the surviving joint owner. And then the, the third level is what's called tenants in common. Now, if you if you divorce and for some reason you kept the real estate, you and your spouse ended up keeping the real estate, basically you would you would want that property to be owned by what's called tenants in common because then you can direct where your one half interest would go upon your death. Um, it would go under whatever your will says. If you kept it at joint tenants, you don't have that option. If you pass away, that property automatically goes to the surviving joint owner. This is one of the ways. Right. You... Go ahead, Jim. I, I was just going to ask a quick question. Uh, so uh, in the case of uh, someone uh, getting their um, estate planning done and they've got uh, corporations that they own 100% of these corporations, uh, how do you how do you usually uh, counsel the, uh, the business owner? If you have so if you have a business like that, basically you're gonna. I, I would ask you first: Do you have uh, what's called a, a buy sell agreement with the with the business? Number one, if you have it with somebody else, but if you own it all yourself, there needs to be provisions in your will that that basically say um, the personal representative can take over and can manage that for. a for a short period of time. I think it's like two years if it's like an S corp. Um, mm -hmm. So those provisions. C corps. Uh, C, C corps, you'd, you'd be transferring the ownership through your will or through a trust. So you just have to have provisions in there telling you where, where they, where those assets would be going. And who would be taking over the charge of the, of the business. Right. That would be more, I mean, in a succession planning, basically you should have that in place. And if not, I'd work with you to basically get that in place to begin with, because um, it's just, it's just the, the corporation, just one additional asset that you have. I mean, people have real estate, they have life insurance, they have retirement accounts, they have bank accounts, they have brokerage accounts. And, and, you know, if you own a business, you got your business too. So it's, you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta take care of it. You gotta provide for where it should go and who should be taking it over. Many of the Larry, uh, do you want a little piece of the wiener business? Sure, love to. Um, Jim owns a company called the Savage Wiener, they are awesome, uh, uh, steak gourmet hot dogs, really tasty. And, um, that's another sponsor. We didn't run that ad, we ran the Castles ad today. Um, we're, 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 we're getting pretty close to being sold out, it's crazy. There's there's a day I, I, that there'll be I no hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, that would be a sad that. day. Um, yeah. But I've got I've got a puppy here. You know, podcasts love puppies. Hold on. Let me go yeah, just this. don't okay. fall off the chair. Um, he's doing it again. I heard, I heard you fell. He fell off the chair last. How cute this dog is. Um, what what types of uh, What's your name of your puppy? Uh, Layla's name is, um, what's your name, Layla? I, I, I forget. 
anyway. Um, hey, how do how do some of our audience is not going to be in Boston area, um, and they may have to talk to other estate planners. What are the types of really good questions to ask an estate planner? Um, how we, are you differentiated? Basically, when I when I meet with a client or talk to a client, the first thing I do is I send out a checklist to them, and. So I get their email address. I send the checklist. And then when they send it back, that's when we start working. The checklist basically gives me a snapshot of, of what their assets are. And then also at the end, it has some blanks to fill in. Basically, who, who do you want to be your power of attorney? Who's the successor if that person's not available? Who's the personal representative? Now, the personal representative is who takes care of everything under your will. It used to be called an executor, uh, but now it's called personal representative in Massachusetts. That one basically, I just, I, that's basically someone who cleans up whatever mess you leave behind. No matter how neat you are and how organized you are, there's still going to be a little mess when you, when you pass away. Um, there's also provisions there for the guardian. Who, who do you want to be the guardian of your minor children? Um, the healthcare agent, who's, who do you want to appoint as the healthcare agent? Um, so those, the five basic documents that I mentioned initially, those are the things you, you worry about estate taxes. That's when you should get into talking about trusts. Or if you have minor children and you want to make sure that the 18-year-old doesn't get uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars when you have a, a trust in place as well. Exactly. You want to ask... You also want to ask, you want to ask them what they're going to charge. Um, I typically give clients a range for the for the services, and I don't start the documents until we agree on on a price. Yeah, which which makes perfect sense. That that, uh, um, but I did ask the question I really asked Ed is is um, when I came to you, I had specific questions, and you immediately had say, "Let me have your email address, and let me send you this form, which would give you a snapshot, uh, you the estate planner, a snapshot." But um, having someone responsible to set all this up, you want to really feel comfortable with liking and trusting, and and many people just don't know right the right question to ask. I see. So, so basically, what I would ask them is, is estate planning their primary practice? I mean, I do estate planning and estate administration. I don't do real estate. I don't do divorces. I don't do litigation. Um, really, you need someone who does this all the time because they're going to understand. They're going to they're going to know different things that you may run into. Um, the the experience is a big thing. Um, and and if you you could you could go with someone who has less experience as if they have someone that they work with or can bounce things off of, that's fine because you, you can't start on your own with, with, um, you know, 10 years of experience. You gotta, you gotta learn some things, but it would be good if, you know, if you went to someone who's working at a firm, you say, you know, if they, if they're just starting, they're trying to build their practice, you know, if there's somebody else that they're working with that, that's fine too. You know, you have somebody looking over the documents to make sure everything's okay. Well, I certainly, so let's uh, say somebody has, I'm sorry, let me just jump in. Let's say someone has zero as far as the work that needs to be done. Uh, and they do have a business. They start with the business first and then work towards uh, the personal. Yeah, the, get the business straightened. But um, just think, what I, what I tell clients is just think about it. If you pass away today, what happens? 
what happens to all your stuff? Does it go where you want it to go or doesn't it? And if it doesn't go where you want it to go, you need an estate plan to get it there. Whatever you, and if you do it now, it'll, it'll be less costly than if you do it, if, if, if it has to be done after you've passed, there's something called the intestate statute that says where all your stuff is going to go. So you can either do your stuff now and try to get and get it to where you want it to go and the people your to your loved ones, or it may, it may not, it'll go based on the intestate, intestate statute. The intestate statute basically says your assets will go to your closest blood relative when you pass away. If you haven't put anything in writing. Okay. And so your uh, closest blood relative or your wife. Married. It, 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 if you're married and you have children, it goes one way. If you're if you're married um, and have no children, it goes it just goes to the spouse. Even if you have if if all your chil all the children are children of you and that spouse, it goes to the spouse. Um, and, and you can see in situations where um, you may be married, but you have children from another marriage or. Uh, so the intestate statute breaks it down into how everything goes. So how does it go? How does it go in that situation? Well, if you go, it, it they get a percentage. Like the spouse will get a certain portion, um, the kids will get a certain portion. It's so it's, if it's uh, so if it's one kid, one spouse. Well, if it's one kid and one spouse, if it's the same, if the if the let's say it's the husband and wife and and they have one child. No, um, not, 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 not the child. No, a, a not, first, not, a not, first wife. Exactly. A first wife had the right. child and, and divorce. And then, so you've been married longer time to a second wife. Do they, do they split it? Well, the intestate statute will, will split it. But if you put it, if you do your will, you don't have right. to worry about that. Right. That's all. Right. Uh, what about the um, TV show Succession? Have you seen that? Um, I have. I have. I have seen it. Um, I don't know. Is it coming back on? I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I would like it. I'm, I'm. I'm sure it'll come on. So is that pretty accurate? What What goes on in in those cases oh. where I mean, this is where there's a lot of money involved. It's amazing what goes on because that the more money that's out, the more. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I do see when, you know, if both parents are alive, kids pretty much, they play nice. Um, when, when the parents pass, sometimes if they're not that close, what happens is they say, Hey, I was, I was just being nice because mom and dad were here. Now I'm really pissed off at you. And you know what, we're going to fight over all this stuff. And that's really unfortunate. I see it, it goes one or two ways when parents pass either the kids all get closer together, which is great. And sometimes they just diverge and yeah. uh, fight and yeah. everybody resents everybody else. And Well, I, I think I've seen that in many families where you have w one of the children is successful and the other child is not. And they might be still living at home. They might be getting support from, from the family. Then it, it gets a little bit messier. But those are two. Um, yeah, there's a couple of... Uh well-known fights even in massachusetts in families it, sure it gets into the news demolices the uh, uh yeah, that, uh that's one in legal seafood uh the legal seafood people but, but, uh, yeah, they, but as well um they have attorneys and they're working that through 
all of that stuff. But Ed, thank you so much for giving us so much information. Um, Ed works at Taylor Ganson and Perrin. Plan now or pay later. I like saying that. Um, Ed, thank you for being a guest on Broker Talk today. Thank you, Ed. Very, very informative. We're on our way out. Thanks, everybody. Oh, it's time.